You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will start out our new series called One Month to Live. Looking at old tombstones, you can't help but recognize that our entire lives are now reduced to two dates and one little dash in the middle. What did he live for? Whom did she love? What were his passions? What were her biggest mistakes or greatest regrets? When you think about it, we don't have control over many things in life. Our lives are in his hands. But there is one thing that we have a vast amount of control over. We get to decide how we're going to use our dash. Our scripture text comes from Galatians chapter 2, starting at verse 20. Today's message is entitled, The Dash. We are beginning a series today entitled, One Month to Live. The title of my message, if you haven't already guessed it, is entitled, The Dash. The Dash. Your life consists of the time from the beginning that you were born to the the day that you die, which you don't know your sum total of your life is the dash. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 90. Psalms chapter 90, we're going to begin with verse number 12. We're actually just going to begin the verse at verse number 12. Psalms chapter 90, verse number 12. If you have a little handout, that'll help you this morning. If you have a handout, the verse is also on there. Psalms chapter 90, verse number 12. And the Bible says, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let us pray. Father, in these next few moments, by the power of your Spirit, let your grace be here in an amazing way. Thank you, God, for what you've already done. Thank you, Lord, for the time of worship that we've experienced and for the community of believers that are here. Thank you for the first two services. Thank you for the four people that responded at the invitation to receive Christ in the second service. We just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this service. Thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of the people that are here today because you've got something planned very special for them. I pray that their hearts would be wide open, wide open to receive your amazing grace. Lord, I ask this now in your wonderful and your mighty name. Amen. You know, living our life, living our life has all kinds of connotations and ideas about what we should do and who we should be. But we serve as Christians a Savior. His name is Jesus. And Jesus lived a very intentional life. We're going to talk about the kind of life that Jesus lived this morning. But Jesus lived a life of great purpose and great intentionality. As a matter of fact, Jesus knew that the day that he was born, he was destined to die. And he believed that. When Jesus was 12 years of age, the Bible said that he was in the temple. And he was actually teaching the scholars, the bright guys, the religious guys. Jesus, at the age of 12, he knew what his mission in life was. And when he got kind of disconnected from his parents because they lost track of him at a big celebration, at a big feast, they found him in the temple. And they said, what are you doing? Jesus, you're 12 years old. How come you're not with your family? How, how, how come you got disconnected from us? And he looked at his mother and his father and he said, I must be about my father's business. You see, he had a mission. And at, even at the age of 12, he knew what he was called to do. And he never shrunk back from it. He knew that he was destined to die on Calvary's tree. He knew it. It was absolutely in his framework, in his fear of reference, in his worldview. He knew what his purpose on this planet was and where he was going. He had a mission. You see, your life is comprised of the dash, a beginning and an ending. You had no control over the beginning, and you'll have no control 
over the ending, unless you do something really stupid. But let me tell you today, I want you to ask this question. I want you to ask this question of yourself right now. What would I do if I knew I only had 30 days to live? What would I do? How would my life change? What, what, what kind of things would take place? Okay, well, let's have a little conversation. Let's talk about that just for a moment. I know that you're not used to this format. You're not used to me asking you questions, especially like this, and looking for a response. But let's just pretend we're in school, and the teacher is asking a question, and uh, you're a really good kind of student, and you're like the teacher's pet, so you're the first one to raise your hand. So right now, you've thought about it. You had two minutes and 30 seconds to really think about what would you do if you knew you only had 30 days to live? What would you do? And uh, so right now, if you kind of already have a thought about it, can you just raise your hand real quick? Could someone do that for me? Come on. All right. Oh, I got someone over here. Come on, someone else, come on. Keep your hands up. Oh, come on. I like that champion over here. Oh, okay, good. good. We're going to get a few people. Keep them up. Come on. Come on. Oh, there we go. Got another one. Go ahead. I do a lot of the things that I haven't done yet or hadn't had a chance to do, like okay. the first time. Like what? What would you do? Um, like jump out of a plane. And jump out of an airplane. All right. We got a skydiver guy over here. All right. Yeah. Someone else back here. Got a young man back, back here. Okay. Young man. Oh, we got a Shannon. Shannon, what would there, you do? That's okay. I would spend more time with my family. Okay. So you would spend more time with your family. Awesome. This young man right over here. Oh, this young lady right there. Brittany, go ahead. Oh, I would conquer my fear of heights. You would do what? Conquer my fear of heights. You'd conquer your fear of heights. Okay. Awesome. Someone else? Right over here? All right. Pastor Glenn's getting his 10,000 steps in this morning. It's still, it's like 70 days of fitness. Uh, 70 days of fitness for him. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I, I find the biggest buffet I can find and just go to it and just wreck it. Awesome. Say it again? The biggest buffet I can go to. Just The biggest buffet, man. You'd just buff it. You'd buffet the body, wouldn't you? All right. He's going to buffet the body the next 30 days. Okay. All right. Okay, Bob, what would you do? I was going to say the same thing, that I would spend more time with my family. I quit working. You quit working. Uh, and everybody go, yeah. Anyone else? Come on, just back here, Manny. Oh, we got a couple more, man. They're starting to pop up now. You guys are the best. Everybody here gets an A because this class is the best class. I had to pull it out of the first one. Manny, go ahead. I would try not to be depressed and live my life with my family and God. Okay, so you would try to live your life for... My, with my family and with God. With family and God, okay, all right. All right, come on, we got another one over here. We got a young man over there. Ooh, we got them all over the popping up now. I do something sick nasty to tell people about God. You tell people about God, oh, cool. It'd be sick nasty, it wouldn't oh. just be normal. Okay. Thanks, Mike. All right, we got one more. I tell my boss off. <laughs> I'm his boss. I could tell he's your son. I'm going to send him to the moon. I got a young man right back here. What was the last one? Uh, got heard. Oh. I would spend more time praying and speaking to my unsaved loved ones. Okay, so you're going to be a witness. You're going to pray. Connect with God, okay? The young man right there, right next to you. I would spend more time with my family and God. More time with your family and God. Okay, well, if you really had, and I'm going to challenge you at the end of this message today, you're going to be challenged to really think about this. And for the next four weeks, we're on a journey together. And you're not going to want to miss it. You have no idea what God has in store for you. I can tell you it's going to be really cool. I do know three things that are going to happen. You're going to have lots of miracles in the next three weeks. If you commit 
yourself at the end of the service today, you commit yourself to go on this journey of 30 days to live, one month to live, however you want to say it. You commit yourself to this. You're going to have miracles. You're also going to have some problems. Some stuff is going to come up in your life that you weren't even planning on, you didn't expect. You're going to have some challenges, but you're going to grow. You're going to experience spiritual growth like you couldn't have imagined. It's going to be incredible. You know, today we're launching out into this new campaign, but it's more than a campaign. It's a God moment in the life of City Church. And the top of your notes in the very first verse, it's second verse, it's John 10.10, 10, and it, it says something like this. It says, if I got my little piece of paper here, my little cheat sheet, it says, the thief is only there to steal and to kill and to destroy. Let me just tell you it's happened in my world in less than four weeks. In less than four weeks. Uh, uh, three, three and a half weeks ago, one of our own, Lieutenant Dennis Stewart, the wife of Norma, the husband of Norma Stewart, the father of David Stewart, and Stephen, and TJ, and Johnny, and, and uh, Debbie, and Nathan. I'm trying to get them all. I got six. You got a whole string there for me to remember. I got them pretty good there. Longtime members of our church. Dennis, I mean, un, un, you know, not prepared. Nobody was expecting this. He went into an emergency on Wednesday morning. He didn't leave that night. 53 years of age. Boom, just gone. A man who had been a member of our church had joined us when we were in Longwood lived in New Smyrna. The drive got far. He helped us move into Sanford. He and his family were great, great people, great friends. And uh, he contracted cancer about four years ago. He breathed his last, last breath about three days before Dennis went home to be with the Lord. His name was Jeff Sanders. I did his funeral. Christina Williams, one of our staff members, her mother, who was age 95, and they were expecting it. She breathed her last breath. Just about a week ago, they did the funeral this past Wednesday. Last Sunday morning, actually very early in the morning at 3 o'clock, I got a text. It was from one of the members of our church that one of the members of our church, his cousin, had overdosed on drugs and was in the hospital. And uh, they asked me to pray. The doctor said he was brain dead, didn't look good. And, and so Sunday morning when I came to service, Rod Scott, who's sitting back here, it's his nephew, plays the guitar here on Sunday morning. He said, hey, this is what happened to my nephew. His name is Kaysen. And uh, would you pray? And so we prayed that morning. We prayed in the services. We prayed around before the service starts at 8.30. And, and then Pastor Glenn and I, we drove down after lunch. We drove down, and we met the family, and we prayed. And there was no activity taking place in Kaysen's brain. He was literally brain dead. And uh, the doctors gave him no hope. And I asked the mom what she wanted, and, and uh, she said, I want my son healed. And so we prayed in faith, and we believed. And over the next couple of days, there was some change. Very, very small, but there was some change. He actually went from being brain dead to brain damage, and there was some activity, and there was some movement with his arms and with his, ex- with his extremities, and, but uh, really, it wasn't looking good. He needed a miracle. Pastor Dave and I went down on Tuesday. We prayed again, and you know, the one thing I discovered is in that moment, there's lots of pain that can come out in people's lives, and there were some things that had been undealt with. There was some regret. I met his father in this period, and his father was really, I mean, there were some problems. There were some challenges. There were some things that they had never resolved. And, and I met him, and I just felt the hurt, and I felt the pain of that father in that room. I felt it in the lobby. I felt it in the hallway. And it was just one of those, it was like, wow. Wow, there's three. If this, God doesn't heal this young man, it's going to be four. Friday night, I went to see one of our other parishioners, who happened to also be a Scott, was in the hospital, twin babies, and they rushed her to the hospital. She wasn't feeling well. And my wife and I went down and prayed over her, and 
And that time, I also got another text that's saying that this young man, Kaysen, was going code. And so we left Winnie Palmer. We drove over to uh, the Lake Underhill, the Florida East. And uh, there, I was the last person to pray over this man beside his mom. Last person. And uh, I was with the mom. She was at peace about it. And I said, I'm just going to commit his body to the Lord. And I prayed over him. And I committed his body to the Lord Jesus Christ. I laid my hands on him. Prayed over him. Within the next couple hours, he was gone. Breathed his last breath. That was Friday night, a little past 8 o'clock. 28 years old. So 253 and 95 at a 20-year-old. All the dash came to an end. That's it. This little church, 400 people that attend on Sunday. and you know We have hundreds of others that attend during the week. We have seven services, six different times. I mean, you know, God's doing a great work here in this campus. We have a preschool that has over 62 students in it. We're touching, you know, just we're touching this community in a powerful way. And in just a little over three and a half weeks, four people in my direct sphere of influence are gone. The dash is done. Whatever they were going to do in their life, they did it. Whatever was going to happen, and, and other than, you know, Jeff, maybe Grandma, I mean, even then, no control. Fight for life. It's a serious deal. We, we, I don't care how young or how old. Sometimes people, I'm too young. Uh, you can read the newspaper today. A 17-year-old girl in California was jogging in a park, and some sicko that our pineal institution couldn't figure out how to keep in, who was a sexual offender, was released again. And he went out, and he raped a girl, and he murdered her, 17 years of age. You don't think that could happen to you? There's a lot of sick people out there you don't know. You don't know when your last days. You, everyone thinks they got it. They got hope. They got another. You know, we don't live. We don't think like this could be our last thirty days. But if you drive with me enough, you know that it could be your last thirty days. Amen. People that are driven, they're like, yeah, they take their life into their hand, right? Christina, they're like holding on the back seat. Oh my goodness! You see, Jesus did do something when he got to the very end. When he got to the very, very end of his life, the last 30 days, this is what it says. The first thing that Jesus said, I want you to see, is that Jesus loved. Jesus loved completely. His life was completely committed to the purposes of God. He loved, his, he loved those who were with him. Someone said they spent time with their family. You know what Jesus did? Jesus spent time with those who were the most significant to him, and those were the people that he was imparting life to. Look what he says here in John chapter 13. He said he knew that his time had come to leave this world and go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he showed them the full extent of his love. Full extent. Full extent of his love. Gave it all. Gave it all. You know what his act was? His final act to them, besides going to the cross for them, was to wash their feet. That was his final act. Final way that he did demonstrated love to them was that he washed their feet. He served them. He demonstrated to them what it really meant to love. To love completely. To love God and to love people. You see, the mission that we're on today isn't about us. It's about him working through us to impact our world. City Church is a great church. Matter of fact, it's an incredible church. Oh, amen. Someone believes that beside me here. And the reason it is is because this church is so full of love. It's so full. We demonstrate it in so many practical ways in this community. We really love people. 
our mission statement says, bringing God's love to the city one person at a time. It's about the one. It's about the one. But there's a whole bunch of ones in this city that don't know yet. They don't need another sermon. They don't need someone pointing them in their chest. They don't need someone to tell them how bad they are. They need someone to say, God loves you, and I love you, and there's an incredible plan for your life. That's what they need. They need hope. They need hope of a preferred future, that their tomorrow can be brighter than their past. You see, they need love. Jesus was so full of passion. He was so intent. You can see the scripture verse there. It says that Jesus, he set his focus and his attention. He came to give life, and he gave, came to give eternal life more and better than they'd ever dreamed, than they'd ever dreamed. Helen Keller said it like this, security is mostly just superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Life is either a daring adventure, or it's nothing at all. You see, some of us are waiting. Some of us are waiting. I call it the when-then theology. When this happens in my life, then I'm going to do that. When this all lines up and the stars find themselves perfectly, then I'm going to take that trip. When this happens and this happens and this happens and I get that bill paid, then I'm going to go to school and get a better education. When this happens, when that happens, when this happens, I'm going to ask that person to marry me. When this happens, when that happens, when I get that bill paid, then I'll start giving to God, which is due Him, the tithe. When this happens, when that happens, I'll say to that person, I forgive you. When they say to me, will you forgive me? Then I'll say that I forgive you. We have a when-then theology. And the problem with the when-then theology is your life isn't living. You're stuck. It's not working. It doesn't make sense. And listen, you know, there's preparation and planning and all that stuff is true. But so many people are trying to be secure. City Church, about 8% of our church budget goes to pay insurance. It's a big number. It's a really big number. It's more than most people make in a year. You know why that is? Because we're risk averse. And it's a wise thing. We don't want to be sued. We got lots of children on the campus. We pay thousands. And th- every, almost a do- every, of every dollar that you give into the plate, almost 10% of it goes to pay insurance for this campus. It's amazing. See, we're risk averse. But see, believers, people who are living the abundant life, people who are living the dream that God has for them, they get out on the edge. They realize that their dash could be very short. They have no promise of tomorrow. Therefore, they're going to live fully for Christ today. See, Jesus loved. Jesus loved God. Because he loved God, he loved the disciples. And he served them. He humbly served them. So powerful. The greatest thing that you can do that demonstrates your love for God is serving other people. Giving your life away. It's the greatest thing you can do. It is absolutely the most impactful. See, what happens is you go from being a taker to a giver. American church is all about, American, the American dream is all about me and my comfort. My, you know, my peace and my, my little four and, uh, and all that. That's American dream. But God's dream is completely different. God's dream is out the edge. 
God's dream can be risky. God's dream might challenge you to do something that you never do. This whole year, I've committed myself to doing first-time things. I really have. I really, I've committed myself to doing things for the first time. Things that I've thought about in the past. And i got a few things I, you know, I still want to do. Well, you know, what am I waiting for? Well, when this happens, then I'll do that. I wanted to go back to school for so long. And, and so I decided about a month ago, I'm going to go back to school. So, you know, I just finally had to make a decision. When this, you know, this, this moment never would have happened. I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know what it is. But I know that when people begin to serve God, and begin to give their life to Him, they don't wait for the wind. See, that 30 days that we're committing to as a church is something very significant and very real. We have some real things that have happened that give us a reality. That This is a reality check for us as, a, as humans that our life must matter, that our life must count. We're going to leave a legacy. We will. We will leave a legacy in our family and the people that we touch and for the next generation. I don't know why God brought me here. I got no idea. I was very happy and very comfortable, and I had a great life in Seattle, Washington. I love Seattle. I love it. It's Microsoft country. It's, it's real player country. It's Boeing, where all the airplanes are made, country. It's fun. It's got lakes, big mountains, and people go snow skiing. I could leave for one hour from my house and go to the mountains and go snow skiing from my house. It was easy. It was just, it was a great place to live. But I was laying in bed this morning. I said, God, you know why I brought, I know why you brought me here. Because there are thousands of people that have heard about God's love. And then I walked in here on Wednesday night. There were 130 young people in here. This place was full of young people on Wednesday night. And guys, come on. Amen. Let me do the best part. You can give the Lord a great big hand clap. But it wasn't just, you know, kids playing games. The altars were packed with young people with their hands straight up in the air, going for God, worshiping Him, seeking Him with all of their heart, going for God. It was incredible. Man, that's why I'm here. It was for the one. You know, I mentioned the four people of the past. One of them was Dennis Stewart, one of our own. You know, some people I have to preach into heaven. And I do funerals. I mean, God's anointed me. I had a pastor friend the other day call me and said, you know, he went and asked me how to do a funeral. He said, you do funerals. And this guy's been in ministry for 30 years. He said, you do funerals better than anybody I've ever seen. He said, you got an anointing for funerals. I said, great, I got an anointing for funerals. I got a passion to see people saved. And so when I get to a funeral, it's a moment. That's for me. It's a moment to communicate the love of God because I don't know who's there. Three and a half weeks ago, Something happened in this church that rocked our world. None of us were expecting it. Dennis Stewart breathed his last breath. I remember the text. There were so many. There were so many phone calls. My dumb ringer was off that night, and I couldn't figure out how to get it back on because I got this new phone, and it's a Google phone. And, but I looked down the text when I, so many texts. I was like, we just couldn't, our world was rocked. This church did something remarkable. This church grew in love. We had a lot of love. But we went from this kind of love to like this kind of love. Huge love. You were generous. You were good. We served a buffet for the reception. The brother over here, we had a buffet. You were here, right? We had a buffet that night. 
And we buffeted our bodies, and there was so much food, we were trying to give it away. It was like just kept multiplying. We grew in service. We served this city. We served the mayor of this city. We served the, the, the council members of the city. We, we just, I mean, this church, we just stepped up. We served the police force of Castleberry. Oh, my goodness. I met the mayor, and I met Don Esselinger, the, the, the sheriff of Seminole County, and we served this community. I mean, those are some names of people that I got to meet. I mean, I got their phones in my cell phone now because they called me on my cell phone, and I kept their numbers. <laughs> Because you never know. You just never know. You just never know. I mean, we grew. But I want you to hear the story. We're going to go a few minutes longer today. So just, just take a breath. But I want you to hear the story this morning from another perspective. Yeah, my world was rocked. But I want to introduce you to the person whose world was really rocked. Her name is Norma Stewart. And she's here this morning. I want you to welcome her to the City Church Platform. Can you do that? Let's give her a great big hand. <laughs> One more time. One more time. Wow. Aren't you proud of her? Come on. I mean, three and a half weeks. Let's give her one more hand. Well, Norma, I know it's been an incredible journey, but like we said, this place grew in love. And God's really, I mean, I've watched over the last three and a half weeks, and it's just been amazing to see God's grace. And I know it has been easy, but I'd like for you just to share, you know, some of the experience, some of the things we've talked about it. And I, you know, I asked Dave actually to ask you because I didn't want to, you know, I said, if you're up for this, I'd like to have you do it. And the guy's... She had to be preached. She should have preached the whole message. Because what she has to say, if you leave this place and you're not listening and you don't make a choice today, guys, I don't know. This is it. God's God's moment in your life is right now. Young people, it's today. Older person, it's today. Parent, it's today. This is your moment. And at the end of this message, I'm going to challenge us as a congregation to do some things. It's a very clear challenge. And listen, I want you to do it. It's for you. But it's not only for you. It's for the legacy that you're going to leave. Because you are going to leave. Norma, why don't you tell us some things that God has done? Before I do that, I want to thank you for the love and just the incredible outpouring that has been there for my kids and for me. And, and um, the, it's, I cannot believe it's going to be in four days. It will be a month ago that Dennis passed. Uh. And I cannot believe I still, I'm still waiting for him to call me, uh, to look for his car at night. Uh, it's hard to believe. But I want to thank you for your prayers because the emails are still coming, the phone <laughs> calls are still coming, the text messages I'm thinking about you, are still coming, and it means so much. Amen. And I don't want you to think that because I don't respond that I'm not getting your messages. I am. And people have made comments about, oh, you're a rock. No, I can't believe, you know, the grace that's on you and the things ah. that you're able to say and things that you're able to do. But it's only because of God on. and because of your love so and your support and your prayers. So please, please, please Amen. do not stop so praying for awesome. us. Please, it's wow. critical. Okay? And I just want you to understand how important that is. Um, the timing on all of this has just been amazing. Um, just 
the providence of God and how things have fallen into place and how all provisions were made and all things were prepared. And about, I don't know, five or six weeks ago, they started advertising on Wednesday night for the Wednesday night classes that were going to be coming and that we were going to be choosing from. And there was one on marriage and communication in marriage. And Dennis and I thought, eh, you know, well, we could do that one. But, you know, I, I saw the one on Max Lucado, and it was called Living Fearless. And the, the whole theme behind the class is learning how to make faith your automatic response when tough times come, when struggles come and when hard, time come, hard times come. Not to have fear be my first reaction, but to have faith rise up. And so that was the class that I took and, or signed up for. And the first class we missed because I was at the hospital with Dennis and my husband went on to be with the Lord. Um, but the subsequent uh, Wednesday nights we came, and, and uh, this past Wednesday night when we walked into class, Dan Anderson, our teacher, just looked a little pale, and he was a little more nervous than usual, and, and he said, you know, I, he looked at me and he said, Norma, I have to tell you what tonight's class is on, and, and it's on dealing with the fear of death and dying. And he said, I, I thought about switching the classes around and, you know, not doing this one and picking something else. And he said, but eventually we'd have gotten to this class anyway. And, and so I just, I just feel like we're supposed to do that. And so I said, it's okay. Just give me my box of Kleenex and we'll be good to go. And, you know, everything will be okay. So we went through the class and we listened to the video and, you know, people started sharing their hearts. And um, one question came up. And the, the, the question was, is it possible to die knowing that you're dying and not be fearful. And different people kind of gave their input on it and their, their thoughts on it. And, you know, I just kind of sat there and was tearing up, and I, I raised my hand and I said, you know, it is possible wow. because I just watched it happen. Wow. I was with my husband. Um, all kinds of things happened, and he was in intensive care, and they finally got him stabilized enough to where we could go in with him. And he was laying on his side. And so I walked around to the back of the bed where, facing his back, and uh, Debbie and Tim came in. The, is that right? Debbie and Tim came in the room with me. They allowed us in three at a time. And they were talking to their dad, and, and um, I was behind him, and I was just kind of petting the side of his head. And just I looked at him, and I said, Honey, I love you. And he, he stopped what he was doing, and he made the he turned around behind him and he grabbed my hair and he just put his fingers in my hair and he always hated that hair product that I had in my <laughs> head. But anyway, he put his hands in my hair and he said, I love you too, gal. Wow. And we finished, the kids finished their visit and I went out with them and brought my son, um, David back. And Tim came in with us again and David and Tim were trying to talk to him and I went back to my spot behind him. And as I lay across the bed and just placed, touched his face, I saw him leave. I saw him die. And I, I, so much so that I grabbed his face and I said, no, honey, don't, don't go. Stay, please don't leave. Please don't leave. <laughs> and it was a couple seconds later that the monitors started showing that his heart was gone and that he had stopped breathing. And the nurses came running because they heard the bells. And, and I, just, I just stood there and, and she said, you have to leave the room. And so they worked on him for 30 minutes. And while the boys stood outside the room and watched, and I went down the hall and just kind of sat on the floor because I knew he was gone. And uh, I saw all that, 
But there was not any fear in his eyes or in his speech when he spoke to me. He wasn't afraid. And there's a reason for that. And so that's the, there's three things that I just want to share with you that, um, that I believe is why it's possible to live fearless and not be afraid of death. And the first thing is Dennis was prepared. He was prepared on a natural level and the physical. As a police officer, he had been there for almost 27 years, and so he was in the retirement system. And he, you know, he planned his whole career to provide for us. And every time he'd get a quarterly statement from the retirement system all through the years, he'd pull me aside and he'd go, look, this is what's happening. This is, you know, and when I retire, this will happen. And, you know, and so he knew. He watched those numbers and he watched those figures. He made provision with life insurance, the type of, re- of retirement plan that he picked. Um, I'll draw his salary for the rest of my life wow. every month. So my husband provided for the kids and for me. And so he had no fear of what was going to happen to us because he knew he had taken the fear factor out of that because he had made some decisions and put some things in place. He wasn't afraid for that. The second level that we have that we have to deal with fear is is the fear for our soul. And Dennis knew that he had made peace with God. He had made peace with God years ago. And we've spent, you know, 31 years of marriage ministering to people and going to jails and different countries and, you know, telling people about the Lord and he had his walk together, and he had his... Was he perfect? Absolutely not. But he loved his Lord, and he knew that he had that peace and that assurance that when it was his time, that he was going to go to be with the Lord. And that just was a settled fact for him, and it was never an issue. And then the third level, or the third plane that we have to be prepared in to take the fear out of death is um, the Great Commission. You know, our instructions that God gave to us, he gave us specific words that we were to not just get saved for ourselves and to sit on a front pew and warm a spot and, you know, have fire insurance in the future, but God called us to bring others into the kingdom and to tell others of his love. And Dennis did that. He, you know, for, gosh, for the hours that people poured in here for the viewing that night for him, it just went on forever. And people, I hugged everybody that came through and to hear their stories and how they knew Dennis and how he had touched their lives. And, um, you know, at the funeral, I could not believe over a thousand people were at his funeral. And I'm still getting emails and cards from people giving me stories on how Dennis impacted their life and how he knew them. And, and just the, 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 little things that he had done that had touched their lives and just the little sayings that he said that they're going to miss and and that kind of thing. And so he had it secure on all three levels. He knew that he was fulfilling the Great Commission. So when it came his time to die, he was prepared and he wasn't afraid. So now my husband is gone. And people, you know, say how are you doing this? You, you know, I can't believe you're doing so well. I want you to understand when I'm here, I can, I have the grace of God and the strength of God and I can do, I have children that I have to take care of and I'm responsible for and, and somebody has to be a rock and, you know, God's called me to that and I can be that for them. But when I get home at night and I get the kids to bed and the house is quiet, my heart hurts and I miss my husband. And so, you know, if you see me in here worshiping and I start crying, don't be afraid of me. It's okay. It's just, it's part of the process that I've got to go through. 
um, you know, to, it's just part of the trust factor that, that I have going with me and God. And people have offered me, you know, if you need to scream at God, if you want to holler and yell or rant and rave, you know, I'm here for you. I'll, I'll listen to you. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And, you know, and I appreciate that, but it's just not in me. I'm learning how to let faith rise up and, and be that first response. And, and when I get afraid, when I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, which I typically do, and I can't get back to sleep because I'm replaying those thoughts in my head and I can't get them out, I just turn on my praise and worship music and turn it down nice and low, and in minutes I'm gone, I'm out. Because the peace of God that passes all understanding is with me, and I know that. So, I now have the responsibility. I have six children. I have Debbie, who is 29, Pastor Dave, who is 24, Tim, who is 22, Stephen, 17, John is 15, he's waving his hand in the back, and Nathan is 11, and I have an incredible responsibility to raise the three younger guys, and so I have to face my fear factors. And I have to make sure that their physical provision is taken care of. Because I don't know if I have 30 days. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think I do. I don't know if I have 30 days. I don't know if I have 30 minutes or if I have 30 years. My daughter says I have 300 years, you know, <laughs> depending on who you talk to. But I don't know what my tomorrow is. And so what I'm doing is I've met with the attorneys and I'm doing paperwork to make sure that my children's future is taken care of, that they, you know, that there would be finances there to make sure that they're raised properly and that their home is there and that, you know, you, people are going to step in and do the right thing and take care of my family. And so that fear factor, as soon as I sign those papers this week, I know that that's taken care of and I've made provision for that. And as far as the spiritual side goes... I know that my heart belongs to the Lord and that I love him and that he loves me. And in a time where a lot of people would curse God and die like Job's comforters tried to tell him to do or his wife, um, I choose not to do that. I choose to trust God and live. And I know that he's calling me closer into him and higher up to him. And so that's the place where I'm at and that's where I choose to be. And... Uh, so I know that I don't have a fear that if I were, you know, to die, that I know where I would go, and I know that I would be safe with the Lord and that I would see Dennis again. And the last area of preparedness for me is God's great commission and what God has called me to do. And I'm telling you now that, you know, I've been involved with Dennis in the missions trips and the things that we've done and, and uh, over the years, but as I said a couple minutes ago, God's called me closer in and closer up, and I'm telling you, when I was at the viewing that night, I had a conversation with several people, and I don't remember what they asked me, but my response was this. Dennis's passing was so horrible and was so awful and unexpected and wrong and just all the things that, I mean, I want my husband back. I want his phone call. I want to hear him talk to me. I want to pick up his dirty socks on the floor. I want to smack him because he's snoring. I want to do those things now, and I can't. I can't do that anymore. But I can tell you this. That was so awful, and I believe in a pendulum effect. To the extent that that was so horrible, I believe that God is going to swing it around for the good. 
and he's going to do something amazing. I don't know what it is. Wow. I don't know what it is, but it's mine. And I'm going to take it. And in my heart, in my heart of hearts, so many people have come up to me and told me how God has touched their lives and how this whole whatever has affected their lives. I'm taking as many of you with me as I can. So let me tell you something. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning as your Savior, or if you're on the fence and you haven't made a decision, cut it out. It is time to step up. There is no time to play. You don't know. My husband had no idea that he was going to die that night. He had no idea. Stop messing around. If God has his finger on your heart and you're kind of riding the fence, quit it. There are enough people here to love you and to pray with you that will, that will wrap your, their arms around you just like they did me and just like they have my family. There's, we don't have the corner on the market. We don't know anything more about heaven or God or Jesus than you do, except that we've experienced his love and his, his changing love in our hearts. So I just want to, that's all I can say. You have got to make a decision, and to not make a decision for Christ is a decision. Come on. I don't want anyone to move. I don't want anyone to move. There's been way too many people up and down in the service, and I just got to tell you right now, it's a real powerful moment, and, and God's doing something here in this church. This is so powerful. Dennis lived his life with a mission. He really did. And like I said, I didn't have to preach Dennis into heaven. He really lived it. He impacted. I have a letter. I have a letter that was written by an attorney because Dennis arrested a woman several years ago whose life was all screwed up. And he, and he was so kind to her. He was such a Christian to her. Not the typical hard A cop. He was a great guy. And he still did his job. He still arrested her. Took her to jail. She told her lawyer, this guy was so incredible. She decided to check herself in and get some help. And the lawyer wrote a letter to Dennis's chief and said, wow, I've never seen anything like this before, but this officer did this for my client, and her life's changed. That was the kind of guy Dennis was. So you have a choice to make today. And so in four, less than four weeks, 28 to 95. 17-year-old girl in California this last week because some sick pervert that our system couldn't figure out how to keep in the prison. They let him out. He raped her while she was in a park jogging, and he murdered her, threw her body in a little shallow grave. They had thousands of people at a funeral. They said, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. Young ladies, you don't know. You, you, it's just so crazy, our world. You guys don't know. We don't have a promise. But we know we got the moment right now. And what we decide to do with Jesus Christ will determine our eternal destiny. And the fact is, if you make that decision, you're a, you're a believer. You're already here, but you're kind of just living for the moment, living, forgetting why you're here. This is a real reality check for us as a congregation because we have a great destiny. We have a great purpose. See, the ultimate goal of your life is to glorify God. That's your ultimate goal. And this is, We're on a journey together, 30 days. I'm only asking you to do 30 days. So we're wearing these little green wristbands. Hey, staff, if you're here today, everybody should be wearing those, Okay. Come on, Dave. Uh, and there are a buck back there. You can buy yourself a band. Remind yourself. But I'm going to ask every person here to do something. We have a sign-up in the back on the way out. 
We're going to meet in small groups. We're going to meet in all different places. Young, old, families going to meet. We're going to meet all over the place. And I'm going to ask you guys to do something. I'm going to ask you to get in a small group and watch a DVD. And, and we're going to talk about it. You're going to talk about what you learned about this lesson today. Sometime this week, my group's meeting up Friday at my home. And I'm asking, you know, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't do this. Because, listen, there's no one that's got this all figured out. Challenging every person, challenging every staff person, every member, every leader, every person in this church to do this. Because God has a great purpose for your life, but it isn't about you. And I believe the impact that God has called this church to in this city is incredible. We're already seeing it in a microcosm, but it's way bigger. We have grown in love, we've grown in generosity, we've grown in faith, we've grown in hope, we've grown in all these dimensions. God's going to take us to another level. I'm asking you to do you got this little thing in the back. It kind of spells it out exactly. Don't miss the next four weeks. Maybe you come every other week. or you know, Don't miss the next four weeks. Be here. These sermons build. These, you don't know. You're going to hear it. You're going to be challenged. You're going to grow. There's three things I can promise you. If you commit to this, there's three things I promise you. Number one, you're going to have miracles. You're going to have miracles. God's going to do some things in your life. He's going to speak to you in ways that you never would have imagined. The second thing is you're going to have some problems. You had a big problem, didn't you? You've already seen some miracles. Oh, the, the miracles. I mean, just the fact that, that where we ended up having, actually having the homegoing service. It was a miracle. I was so, matter of fact, I was so frustrated that day because we couldn't find a place to hold the homegoing service. And God provided a miracle. It was a miracle. Miracles. You'll have miracles. You'll have problems. But if you commit yourself the next 30 days, you'll grow exponentially. You'll grow in a way that you've never grown. You'll make your life, will, if your life isn't counting, if your life is counting, your life will count in a new dimension. Something is going to happen. You're going to bring a friend Easter because it's going to be a great day of celebration. I'm going to preach a message entitled, No Regrets. You don't want to miss it because you want your friend to be here, to hear the message of hope. You want them to be here that day. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a God day. You can get a copy of the book that we're using. 30 days of one month to live. It's all over the place. It's in bookstores. It's what New York Times bestseller book right now. You can get it anywhere right now. Get it this week. You can start tomorrow. It's a 30-day journal. I've also asked a really simple thing for you to do. There's a little girl. I don't know if she's in the service or not, but I was over to greet the pastor or the brunch of the pastors a few minutes ago. There's a little girl just started coming to our church. She's got a little journal. I don't even know how old she is. Probably 8, 9, 10 years old. She's got a little journal. and She's writing notes in the journal writing stuff about God. Uh, my God is an awesome God. So I was just going through it. Just incredible. Just already writing stuff down. And what's going to happen as God begins to speak to you as you really commit yourself in the next 30 days, God's going to speak to you. When God speaks, write it down. I'm telling you, when God speaks to you, write it down because you don't want to forget it because God's got some really cool things for your life. Today, Norma gave the invitation. This is a serious moment, a holy moment between you and God. Some of you just need to get on the journey. Some of you, the dash to this point has been about you. God wants to turn that upside down. He wants to make about Him and about using you so that you can live just like Jesus said. Jesus said, I came that you can have real life more and better than you've ever dreamed of. Better than you could ever dream Better than the greatest sexual experience. Greater, greater than any amount of money that you could ever make. Greater than any high that you could ever receive on a drug. Greater than anything you could have ever imagined. Whew, it's a good life. It's not always easy. 
want you to close your eyes right now because in this room, there's some in the valley. The dash really in your life does hasn't quite made sense because you've made it about you. God said, not any longer. He's tapping on. I don't care if you're young, you're old. I don't care how old you are. The fact is everyone has a date with destiny. Every single person. You've got to make sure you got it right. You're hoping it's all going to work out. Listen, if you're hoping today it's all going to work out and a good, the big cheese upstairs is going to take care of you, you're greatly mistaken. You are great. It doesn't work like that. You got to know him. You got to. You got to. You can't hope that you know. You got to know today. And the only way that you could know is by surrendering your heart completely to him. Thanks for listening to this message, The Dash, with Lead Pastor Eugene Smith. Please continue to join us as we begin this journey of living with no regrets in life. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407-321-9600.